This podcast is of licensed mental health professionals linking pop culture to psychology. The information presented in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in place of mental health treatment or other services. All our opinions are our own. All right, welcome to Therapy for Nerds. I am your host, Cassidy Russell, along with Abby Ronquillo and Katie Bussey. And today, Abby found an article that we wanted to talk about and maybe give a little bit of nerdy therapist perspective on. So how about you take it away, Abby? There was this great article a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times called Go Ahead, Fantasize. And it talked a lot about how uh, a big part of what is getting a lot of people through the pandemic is this idea that we are looking for hope and what is going to come out of the pandemic, right? So. I don't know about all of you, but there are a lot of things I'm looking forward to doing after quarantine. No, but I, I, I think that it's it's funny because like you, you open it up like a lot of things. And it's like, there's so many things I don't even know where to start about what I want to do. Yeah, it's interesting because in the article, the, the first thing it says, is, it doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how small. Mm-hmm. The, the real idea of this is that there is something that you're looking forward to, is that the perspective, is it something in the distant or near future that you're you're focusing your energy towards? And I think that's something as, as therapists that we can kind of relate to, because I think a lot of times when we're dealing with their, uh, with clients who are, that have diagnoses of depression or are feeling depressive symptoms, we talk about this idea of hope and how important it is to hold on to that hope. Yeah, and I, I think there's so much that can be said about the idea of hope because I, I like that you prefaced it like it could be big or small, the things we're looking forward to. Because sometimes there's the idea of like you have to have this big grand thing you're looking forward to and you're you're working towards and goals and blah, 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 blah. And it's like it could just be as simple as like seeing a friend, as is just going going to the store and and having it not be something that maybe makes you feel anxious because you're like, everyone's not wearing a mask or they are or whatever it may be. And just being able to have those little moments. I did, I know a lot of times um, throughout the pandemic, I saw a lot of people posting photographs, like throwback photographs of maybe even just like a year ago or a couple of months prior to the pandemic where it was like, had we only known like this was the last time we would be able to hang out together at a bar or at a restaurant without a mask Mm -hmm. or you know whatever it might be and it was this it it kind of would give me the sense of oh you know it's just the little things that we would take for granted or just these opportunities to be with people or be together in um in settings where there were no precautions there were no uh, regulations of how close we could uh, stand together safely or how we could uh, converse and how we could socialize. So I think a lot of, um, at, at least in this article, which I had noticed was most of the things that people had listed, the people that had been mentioned in the article, what they were looking forward to the most was just being around people again. And I, I think that's the piece that's been impacted probably not the most significantly, but one of the most significantly impacted pieces of our lives throughout this pandemic was just very basic social interactions that we haven't been able to do. And it it can be as small as like, just seeing a friend and saying hi, like giving someone a hug, like you don't do that anymore. Like you you never, you know, like there's such a different approach to to life in a way. Um, And I I think it also kind of can highlight how sometimes we take things for granted too. Like we don't realize how how wonderful it is to be able to have that until we can't. It's weird thinking like the last time that we ever all hung out 
in my apartment watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, but that that could be one of those things it talks about is like, what are we looking forward to? And, and I know with the article, there was the idea of like, you know, I, well, because I'm, I'm going to back up, but I, I think sometimes there's this idea of like, don't get your hopes up, be cautiously optimistic. Don't, don't set yourself up for failure by thinking things can happen a certain way. And I, I don't know about what you both have been observing, but I feel like a lot of people are like, this is just my life. I'm accepting it. And I don't, I'm not even going to pretend like it's going to get better. Like I've just succumbed to this being my existence now. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, it's almost become normalized. Like this idea of, um, pessimism really being realism I have a lot of clients that talk to me and even friends are like well I just don't want to set myself up for failure you know so I'm just going to minimize my expectations you know we've been through this pandemic long enough I know you know okay well I'm going to tell myself that um, by fall we're still going to be in this because if I tell myself by fall we're going to still be in this and then we're not great it'll be good but if we're not at least I won't be disappointed Mm -hmm tempered expectations mm-hmm. which could be I don't know necessary I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because mentally what does that do to us when we already identify that there is not a positive outcome yeah and I I feel like that could relate back to what we were talking about with the idea of hope because I think there's a difference in acceptance of a situation and being like okay I know this is temporary but I'm, I'm not gonna fight it because I know that that's gonna make me suffer more through this situation. And then the, the almost succumbing to it. And I think there's a distinct difference between those two. And there's a distinct difference in how we look at the future from those different lenses. It sounds a lot like existential therapy to me. Like the, the therapies based in that um, like philosophical model of just like the existential dread and terror, but also like becoming at peace with that and how like searching for meaning is where people get life out of. And if you don't have that, then it's harder to continue on with living. And I definitely see that a lot with this pandemic and with, I mean, clients have always reported difficulties like Abby was saying of just like, oh, well, if I think everything is terrible and my boss is going to fire me because I'm the worst employee ever. Then when that doesn't happen, I'll be really happy. Except if you're always thinking that a self-fulfilling prophecy, you're more likely to have something like that happen, but also mm-hmm. B, if that never had, like, what's your, your rate, your range for knowing when to accept that that's not going to happen because you're saying that you'll be happy when it doesn't happen, but are you happy at the end of every day or are you going, well, it wasn't today, but it's gonna be tomorrow. And then it's just a continuous cycle of this thinking. And if you never take a break to be happy for what it is that you're saying that you're going to be happy about, then what's the point of it? Yeah, and it it also makes me wonder, it's almost like a, I feel like when we have moments like that, there could be like a, a cost analysis we could do of that that approach to it because it's like, how does this serve you to be on the brink of disaster at all times and be preparing for that? Like, how does that help you now? Because obviously it, it can do a degree because we feel like we're prepared, we're in control, we know what's going to happen. But how much does that take away from us also being able to live in the moment and and be enjoying of the moments that are occurring when we're always worried about the bad thing that's around the corner and and how much 
time that takes? Like, is it worth it to worry about it to that degree? Does that, like, what does that do? That's definitely not to say we don't all do it, but it's more of just like, what is it doing for us to be in that place? I, I know I do this in, in my life and I know a lot of people, like not just clients, but also like family members that, that do this kind of thinking at, as well. And it, it, it seems to stem from feeling like they're more prepared for it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like Newt Scamander's quote of if worrying makes you suffer twice. Yeah. And it's, it's tough though, because it's the idea of like, is it worth it? But in those moments, it feels like it is. It feels like it's protecting us from this inevitable doom we're going to come into. But if you do that for years and it never happens, was it worth it? I don't know if you both, you know, we all went to the same school for, for our master's program. Um, A teacher that I used to have used to say that anytime you leave the present, that's anxiety. So when you're thinking about the future or you have these ideas about worrying about things, it, it is a form of anxiety. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when you're trying to prepare yourself for the inevitable or what you think is inevitable, it's your brain trying to, to make sense of something that doesn't make the, that isn't there necessarily, that it doesn't understand and doesn't conceive mm-hmm. as a concept of. And, and that's so hard for us, I think, as people, you know, we want everything to make sense. When we, do, when we see those um, brain teasers or puzzles and, and we don't know how it works, you know, we fill in the gaps or mm-hmm. we just can't live with something that is unexplainable. Mm-hmm. It causes us to feel uncomfortable. And a lot of times our, our brain's way of dealing with that is to make assumptions, to make judgments about a situation and try to interpret what it believes will occur. And I think that's the the piece that really would stand out to me in this is the way we do that is going to be so informed by the experiences we've had in the past, by the people we're around, how they're gauging it. So while we do our best to try to make a, a educated guess, we could say about how something's going to turn out, at the end of the day, we don't really know. We're, we're making the best assumption we can um, just given the information that we have at that moment. So right now we've been focusing a lot on like the possible downsides of fantasizing. And I, I think that's fair because I personally don't think there's a single person that hasn't fantasized about the worst possible outcome of something. It's just a really common practice. But I kind of want to talk about how we can utilize this power for good and the possible positives that we can fantasize like we were touching on earlier that we're in the article of fantasizing about spending time with friends and and that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm being overly cheery, but what about the positive side? (laughs) No, but I I think it's funny because I think that's a perfect segue from the conversation about fantasizing and the idea of like, is what you're doing right now, is it worth it? Does it work for you? Because in the same vein, if you say like, okay, I, I recognize that I don't know what is the future, that means you have the, the, the ability to say, I don't know, it could be this doom and gloom option, or it could be amazing. And, and being able to have that moment of bringing the anxiety, bringing the worry, bringing the thoughts into the conscious present and being like, I, I have these options ahead of me. I don't actually know what's going to happen. I have the right to say it could be good as well. Yeah. And um, actually, right, you know, in the, in the article, they do talk about both the positives and the negatives of kind of the fan of fantasizing, right? Because it could be reframed in both ways of like what hope does to somebody mm-hmm. if you spend too much time in the future. 
Um, and I really liked kind of, um, they had a quote from, I think, uh, here, I'll read it to you. The, the quote is, the important thing about imagination is that it gives you optimism. And that was a quote from Martin Seligman, who's a professor that they had um, interviewed for, I guess, this article. Um, and, and that word optimism, so important. You know, when we talk about hope, what really it is, the core value of hope is optimism. So th these opportunities that we have by, by thinking about what we can do in the future, what we want for the future, what we can visualize and what we can see ourselves doing is opportunity. That's what I think like really the visualization, like visual, visualizing something or having hope for something, that's not tangible. But opportunity is an actual thing that, that can happen. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a great way of putting it is that is the piece that we can latch on to because the idea of like, it'll get better is like, well, what does that mean? Like, that's so vague. I don't understand what that means, but putting it in the context of like, there will be different opportunities. There will be things that happen that feels so much more concrete and, and just really plausible. Yeah, it, and um, so I guess this, the person, like I said, that they had interviewed this um, professor, he, he works in positive psychology. So specifically like identifying, when, like we were talking about earlier, not only thinking about the, the possibilities that might be negative or like minimizing your opportunity, uh, not opportunity, sorry, minimizing the abilities that you might have to make sure that you're not overshooting or, or making your expectations too high, it's actually making those opportunities bigger so you can actually perceive yourself as getting some of these things. So um, what it, it talks about is making these concrete plans. So, you know, mm, like we talked about seeing friends or, you know, when the pandemic's over, I really want to eat inside a restaurant. I want to go to um, a mall and try on clothes or, or whatever it might be putting that into fruition as a, a goal, like an actual, put the words out there of like what you actually want to do and set it as a thing, mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, I want to do something, I guess, like less, like you said, less vague, less, I don't know what the word is, like less. Like an actionable plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. I mean, we could definitely talk about more like actionable steps and things that are actually true and can happen like one of the things i would love to do that i have not done in a very long time is go on a vacation i could sit here and fantasize about like my dream you know out of country kind of vacation or i could set up a reasonable expectation and have an action plan in place to do something like wine tasting in northern california that is far more affordable than trying to go like out of the country and but I, I think what this makes me think of is the idea of having something actionable like the thing you're gonna do like going and seeing people going and eating at a place or traveling or whatever it may be but I think there's also a degree of maybe almost like permission sometimes it feels like we need to give ourselves to have that that fantasy of like oh I'm gonna get there like this is gonna be what I'll be doing soon, because I, I think in holding hope and in holding optimism, it can be hard when it feels like there's not, there's not a date or a time when that's going to happen. And I know like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us are having like pandemic fatigue, like this has been a long time where we're still wondering when this is going to be a big difference in, in resuming the way things were before. And 
I, I think that's okay. I think that's a piece to talk about. Is like it's okay to have these hopes and these wants and dreams, and to sometimes be like, when is that going to happen though? And being able to accept both sides of it. I, I mean, I also wonder how this can relate to like other areas of of people fantasizing about things, right? Because I know we're talking about tangible, like real life examples, but the idea of fantasizing about things is not, this is not exclusive to this time, point in time. Like it's something that people have been doing for, throughout history, as far as we know, like through art, through writing, through games, different things like that. And I, I think there's probably such a systemic benefit we get from that. Otherwise, Absolutely. yeah, why would we be doing it for such a long time? There's some purpose to it. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think there's a segment in the, the article, sorry, I was just like brushing over it right now. They do talk really about how that impacts you in the moment and having this, this is actually a skill that you can learn, something that you develop over time and having the skill to fantasize, the skill to be positive about your future and to visualize something, whether that's big, big ticket items, things that are um, imaginative imagining yourself doing something that's impossible impossible or, or big or we're mm -hmm. talking about like action items whatever that might be it does impact you in the moment it talks about this positive thinking impacts your emotion engagement relationships meaning and accomplishments mm -hmm. so what you what you put in your brain now for the future impacts how you are going to act which makes sense mm -hmm. to me so i'm wondering how you know how we implement this in our daily lives if we're, if we're here and we're having really positive thoughts about where we're going to be tomorrow or even in a couple of hours, mm -hmm. as opposed to having, maybe not even having any thoughts about where we're gonna be tomorrow, right? What does that look like? Well, I think, I mean, I'm thinking about like what Katie was saying and what you're saying about practicing this as a skill. I think one of the, one of the best ways I can think of to practice this sort of skill would be like role-playing games, like some D&D &D action. I haven't had a chance to play in a long time. So yeah, like I, I miss playing D&D &D and I think it's, it's a really, if you have a good group of people, because I have played it with not so great groups of people, but if you have a good group, then it's, you can have a lot of fun with it and you can really practice like putting yourself in someone else's shoes and maybe you're not able to think of anything happy or whatever for yourself, but it might be easier to think of for this other, not real, but someone that you made up person. And that in itself is also like, maybe it's not something you're thinking about in your future, but that's a parallel thing that you are fantasizing about or something that you perceive yourself doing or something that you've created. So I think there's a lot of value in that as well. And a lot of creativity goes into creating characters, creating, uh, visualizing spaces when it comes to like D&D &D or even um, Minecraft games, roadblocks, other games where you have to mm -hmm. create spaces, Animal Crossing. So I think that it's really, it's valuable. It's valuable for us to allow ourselves the place and time to develop in the in this way well i mean if you think about it so oftentimes it's actually it can oftentimes be easier to have that hope for other people where it's like like we can hold it for them we're like oh you're gonna get through this like i believe in you and, and then a lot of times when we do it for ourselves we're like i don't know about this so but i think this mimics that same idea of like through 
taking on these roles, it, it can even be easier maybe to hold that hope because you're like, I am this person or I, I'm playing through this person and, and being able to kind of view it differently, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, when you were saying that, Katie, it just reminded me of like how when you're playing D&D, at least this has happened to me in watching my husband play because he does some really random stuff. So his, like the, the expectation is when you say your character does something, your expectation is positive that your character is going to do that thing. But then you roll the dice and then the dice decide if you actually do that thing or not. So you're able to have this hope that you'll do those things that you're, you say your character is going to do, and then it may or may not happen. And it's mm-hmm. not really any fault of your own, although you could totally put your dice in dice jail. <laughs> it's just what happens, happens. And it's so interesting that you say it that way, Cassie, because think about, I'm thinking about just like the reactions that typically I have or that like others have when like it doesn't go their way. Fonts of like, I mean, it's frustration, but it's frustration in a way where it's palatable or it's almost funny or it's like, I can handle this. Like, okay, well, it happened, you know, like let we're, we're just going to breeze through this and you know um, it, it's not a fault of my own or my characters and it just happened the way it happened and can you imagine if if we all just went through life that way just like mm-hmm. I want to do this thing I'm not gonna I'm not gonna perceive or think about it or like make all these presumptions of how it's gonna go first I'm just gonna say I'm gonna do it and then I'm gonna roll the dice let it happen and if it happens it happens and if it doesn't oh well how much yeah. time and energy and white hair would we save my goodness it's it's such a great idea though because it it, it's true like when we play games and like like the example we're giving here is we have a belief that no matter what happens we can handle it and I think that's what's so different and so oftentimes what we need to be able to have in our own lives is that belief of like even if I roll this dice in this moment in my real life and it doesn't go the way I expect I believe I can still handle this I can still take care and like yeah how much energy that would save us how much stress and time because I think so oftentimes anxiety comes from the fear of like I don't think I got this like I don't think I can do this I don't believe that I'm going to be able to survive whatever the situation is but when you're playing a game like D&D you know you're going to get through it one way or another well your character might die mm-hmm. one way or another <laughs> wow. so so is that what we need to do? Do we have to identify identify ourselves as characters? Or do we have to fantasize about who we are and what we can handle? Well, I wonder what makes it different in like a, a like a character role versus real life role where we can, and this is not obviously for everyone, but we have sometimes the ability to more easily believe they can make it through. Is it because we feel like the stakes are lower? Is it because we, we believe it. Like, I wonder what the characteristics are that are different that make it easier to do it in that capacity. Well, Cassie, you know a little bit about this, right? Like, cause this has a lot to do with like superhero theory, right? And su- superhero therapy. Well, I mean, I think, well, for superhero therapy, it's more about like the hero's journey and often correlating like your own personal journey to a hero in comics or something. What I, I think this, touches more on what it makes me think of at least is how people tend to like have negative connotations for themselves even if it's something that they have no actual control over 
oh, I missed the paperwork deadline because I'm lazy. Instead of just kind of brushing it off and doing it, they have a lot of, the, they internalize the guilt. Whereas when it's just the random roll of the dice, I think people have an easier time letting that go and not taking personal responsibility for it. I don't know. I, that would be my guess as to kind of what happens is just people have a lot of internalized guilt over everything. <laughs> and so people are more likely when they have a, a, a like personal failure to take it personally, even if it really had nothing or very little to do with them. So I wonder if it would be then helping people to really conceptualize when something in real life is more like a roll of a dice than your personal responsibility. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with society though. And like society saying that you're not supposed to see, perceive yourself that way. And I think that's like a universal thing almost. And like maybe in some, some places of the world, like a little bit more than others. So I'm not quite sure. I don't, I don't know how that would be addressed, but I definitely, I, I think you're both right in, in where that exists and where that lies. I just don't know how it would be addressed. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely like a very, like, even in talking about it, like, I'm, I'm like, how would you do that? Like, how do you conceptualize, like, was this something that I did versus was this something that just happened because it happened? And I, I think that we as humans tend to err on the side of trying to make sense of it, assume we did something so we can change our behavior so it doesn't happen again. So it's almost like our default to assume it was our responsibility in some way. One of the things that would be helpful would be to utilize some thought stopping techniques. When you're starting to realize that you're spiraling like that, my easy go-to is think of a stop sign because your brain can only handle one thought at a time. So picture something and then ask yourself, if it's really something that, ask yourself how much control you actually had over the situation. And I have my lovely sign back behind me, which says the only person you can control is yourself. And if it had anything to do with other people, there you go. You can only control yourself in that situation. Yeah, that's very much my go-to too, especially with clients identifying like what you actually have control over versus what you feel like you have control over. Because I think sometimes we have this sense of these external things like I it was my fault I have to take responsibility for this and it's like did you really have control over that though like was you know we have to be fair to ourselves and I think that's something that's that we tend to not do when we don't have control over things I think we shoulder that we put that on ourselves because we look around and nobody else is taking responsibility so we do it and mm -hmm. and that's not okay mm -hmm. so yes definitely control is a big thing being fair to ourselves is a big, you know, being kind to ourselves 100% and just allowing things to be what they are. Sometimes they're not fair. And, and kind of bringing it back to the idea of like having a fantasy of, of the way you would like things to be. I, I can imagine in a moment like that, like we said, if there's like a spiraling effect and you're, you're getting really wrapped up in it is sometimes we just need to pause. And we, we like, like, like Cassie, you were saying with the stop idea, and that could be a moment to insert what do I want? Like, what is my fantasy? Like, you know, go, you know, sometimes it can sound silly, but having that like happy place we go to where it's like, oh, I would, I would love this. I would love the vacation. I would love, you know, this time with family and, and taking that moment and being in that space. Cause so oftentimes that's, we just need that break. Our system needs a moment to get away from the stress 
and go to that happy place. Mm -hmm. And we always have control over that. I think sometimes we don't feel like we can ask for that, but in Mm -hmm. any situation, you can always step away. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if not physically, you, you have the capacity within yourself to get that moment back from it. Thank you for listening to Therapy for Nerds. If you liked this episode, hit that like button, subscribe, comment, and check out the links to our social medias where you'll be sure to get all of the latest Therapy for Nerds information. And be kind to yourselves this week.